It has been said that there is not a place in the world that has not been touched by Pauline Jericho, a laywoman who will be beatified on May 22nd this year. Who is this remarkable woman? And how did she make such a positive, lasting impact on the church's missionary work? That is our topic tonight. Hello and welcome to EWTN Live. I'm Father Joseph Mary, chaplain here at EWTN. Father Mitch is out of town this evening, and so it's my pleasure to talk with tonight's guest about Pauline Jericho and to tell you about a film that will be premiering on EWTN tonight at 10 p.m. Eastern Time about her life and legacy. But first, we want to talk briefly with EWTN's Jack Williams, General Manager of EWTN Radio, about an upcoming event you'll want to make plans for. Welcome, Jack. And well, thank you, Father. It's great to be with you. I, I dress to match your, <laughs> oh, good. your outfit here, so we yeah, we're color coordinated. <laughs> we are. So we're we're very excited. You know, in uh, 1992, uh, as you're well aware, Mother Angelica launched mm -hmm. a shortwave radio network, and in '96, she started making that programming available to people who owned AM and FM radio stations. Shortly after that, we started having a radio conference because most of these people were not radio people and they mm -hmm. were just answering the call that Mother Angelica put out and felt like our Lord was asking them to be part of this. So we brought them in to Birmingham uh, once a year to mingle with each other and learn from each other and also to give them some spiritual and some professional development and mm -hmm. encouragement in this effort. And we've done that every year up until the pandemic hit. Mm -hmm. So we haven't been able to gather together as a Catholic radio family the last two years, but we're very excited to announce that we are re, uh, reinstituting the EWTN Catholic Radio Conference this year, and we're going to do it in conjunction with EWTN's family celebration in Phoenix. Mm -hmm. So we're taking the radio conference on the road for Great. the first time Great. ever. And it will be September 29th through October 1st mm -hmm. in Phoenix, Arizona, right there in downtown Phoenix. It's going to be very exciting. We're going to start on Thursday, September 29th, by having a day-long retreat mm -hmm. with the Desert Nuns, the Poor right. Clares of Perpetual Adoration mm -hmm. in Tonopah, Arizona, which is about an hour away from Phoenix. And this is Mother Andre and the group that came from Hansville to right. start that foundation. And she's been very gracious enough to agree to host us. And there may be a couple of friars bumping around there during the day for uh, <laughs> yes. to tend to our spiritual <laughs> needs on that day. And then on Friday, uh, we're going to have a day of, uh, of sort of uh, spiritual and professional development. Mm -hmm. uh, Michael Warsaw, our chairman and CEO, will be in attendance. And we have a keynote address by Father Robert Spitzer, which will be very exciting, yeah. and a lot of people will be interested in hearing that. And then on Friday evening, we'll have our annual awards dinner and banquet. Mm -hmm. uh, which is, you know, where we kind of recognize the accomplishments of some of our affiliate groups and have a nice dinner and good fellowship with one another. Right. And then on Saturday, October 1st, the whole thing wraps up with EWTN's family celebration, which is being held in the same right. venue. So it's going to be outstanding. Mm -hmm. um, anybody who is operating a Catholic radio station carrying EWTN programming, uh, it, you know, certainly will want to try to be there if they can. You know, bring your board members, bring your staff, right. bring whoever you can manage to, to get to Phoenix. And also anybody who may be listening to us mm -hmm. and may be feeling a little tug on their heart by the Holy Spirit that maybe there isn't a Catholic radio station in their area. Right. And maybe the Holy Spirit is sort of whispering in your ear that maybe he wants you to help mm -hmm. uh, begin an effort yeah. to try to make that happen. This would be a great event for you to attend mm -hmm. as well. You'll learn things. You'll meet people that will be beneficial to you. And anybody who is interested in the Catholic Radio Conference can simply log on to EWTNCRC.com. Mm -hmm. That CRC stands for Catholic Radio Conference, EWTN Catholic Radio Conference. See, well, it takes you to <laughs> EWTN Catholic Radio Conference.com, but you can get there mm -hmm. by EWTNCRC.com. And you can find out about everything we have going on at EWTN Radio by simply logging on to EWTN.com slash radio. That is my spiel. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I've been part of those events that have happened here in Birmingham mm -hmm. and so on. It's always uplifting. And to meet these people that are evangelists, like we're going to be talking about tonight with our guest tonight, about having this missionary heart. Mm -hmm. 
to bring the gospel to other people. Just tell us uh, quickly also some positive responses of people who have attended in the past and how that's gone for them. Well, you know, I'll, I'll give you one example that comes to mind immediately is that I remember a gentleman that came to one of the early conferences uh, that we had over at the Winfrey when, when the, the event got so big that we had to go to a, right. a, a large hotel mm -hmm. to hold the, the event. And there was a gentleman there who was on his honeymoon <laughs> with his new <laughs> wife and spent the honeymoon bringing her wow. to the Catholic Radio Conference because he <laughs> wanted to bring Catholic Radio to the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Wow. And Dave Palmer has mm -hmm. now been the general manager of Guadalupe Radio Station wow. in Dallas for has to be better than 10 or 15 years now. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's just from his interest and his desire to, to bring that to mm -hmm. Dallas. And it wasn't a situation where he rounded up a group. He was able to meet people at the radio conference, mm -hmm. you know, partner with our good friends at Guadalupe Radio and right. make that happen in the area. So those are the kind of things that can come. And we've had people that have come and, and their involvement in Catholic radio didn't really materialize in a natural mm -hmm. sense. Right. But they were instrumental in helping other groups get mm -hmm. things going in other parts of the country. So it's a wonderful event. and. I mean, listen, uh, uh, it's worth the retreat in Tonopah, quite frankly. <laughs> definitely. So, yes, please, if you're interested in uh, being part of this uh, radio conference, you can find more information at EWTNCRC.com and learn more about that conference and also the EWTN family event that's going to be following that. So thank you, Jack, for being with us today. Thanks, Father. It's my joy. And we'll be back in just a couple of minutes with tonight's guest, so please stay with us. Tonight at 10 p.m. Eastern Time, EWTN will premiere a docudrama entitled Heart of a Missionary, the story of Pauline Jericho. She is the foundress of the Pontifical Mission Societies, which have so advanced the Church's missionary work the last two centuries. Joining us now via Skype from Poland to tell us about her life and the work of the Pontifical Mission Societies is Monsignor Kieran Harrington, the National Director of the Pontifical Mission Societies in the United States. Welcome, Monsignor Harrington. Thank you very much, Father. Happy to be with you. I'm glad you could join us all the way from Poland. So tell us about the Pontifical Mission Societies. Sure, there are four Pontifical Mission Societies. Uh, Pauline Jericho founded what was called the Propagation of the Faith, and uh, she founded that society just about 200 years ago, about to celebrate our 200th anniversary uh, as our founding, 100 years as a pontifical institute. Uh, then in addition to the, uh, the propagation of the faith, there is the Holy Childhood Association. Uh, and beyond the Holy Childhood Association, there's the Society of St. Peter, the Apostle. And then there is called the Missionary Union. So these four societies, what do they do? Uh, simply said, the propagation of the faith builds the church uh, in lands where they have not heard the message of Jesus Christ. Uh, so much of our work now is in Africa and Asia, but 200 years ago, it was here in the United States. Right. Uh, so the propagation of the faith uh, that Pauline founded actually helped to contribute to the building of the church here in New York City, but also uh, in New Orleans throughout the entire country. It's really kind of a remarkable story. Up in, uh, in fact, uh, this year is the last year that one diocese will receive a subsidy from the propagation of the faith, Fairbanks, Alaska. So it shows mm. you uh, in very remote places uh, right. where the church is being built up. And then the Holy Childhood uh, was founded by Bishop Forbin Jansen. And what he wanted to do at the same time, uh, a contemporary of Pauline and friend of Pauline, what he sought to do is ensure that children would help other children learn about the faith. And so the Holy Childhood or the Missionary Childhood Association uh, was founded so that children 
would teach other children, pray for and teach other children, and offer their support to other children to build schools and orphanages, uh, again, in the church which is uh, developing. And then the last uh, societies are the Society of St. Peter, which is the societies which are responsible for the building of seminaries and houses of religious formation, for the formation of religious sisters uh, and the formation of priests. <clears throat> and then the last uh, of the societies is the Missionary Union. Uh, the Missionary Union is basically to remind us all that we're all called to be missionaries and help us in our missionary efforts with mm. one another. Now, Monsignor, how did you get involved and eventually become the National Director in the United States? Uh, I think that uh, the process is that uh, the bishops, uh, USCCB nominates a priest uh, uh, for this position, and then uh, you're appointed by Cardinal Tagle. He's the Cardinal Prefect uh, for the Congregation for Evangelization. And uh, so I was appointed just about a year ago now. Well, great. We're um, happy to hear about that. Now, why are you in Poland? So we had uh, recently uh, just come back from a solidarity visit uh, during Holy Week uh, with the Eastern Church. So the Holy uh, Eastern Church celebrates Holy Week a little differently than we do. We're on the Gregorian calendar. Right. They're on the Julian calendar. So we were there for Holy Thursday, uh, Good Friday, and for the Easter Vigil. Uh, we went from Lviv to Ternopil uh, to Kiev uh, or Kiev. Uh, to really be with the people, to pray with them, to touch their mm -hmm. wound, to look them in the eye in the midst of their suffering, uh, but also to bring uh, some small resources uh, to be of assistance. You know, Pauline, when she founded the Society of the Propagation of the Faith, what, what she basically did is call people to pray together, uh, the people who were working with her to pray together, and to give their pennies to help mm -hmm. the, uh, the church which was emerging. And so, uh, so we had, uh, through a website, uh, that we run missio.org. We raised a couple hundred thousand dollars, which we brought uh, to help the Greek Catholic Church, the Greek Catholic Ukrainian Church, uh, and mm -hmm. the Polish Church here in Warsaw and in Krakow. Well, we're going to watch this little clip that you sent us from Lviv. So give us a little introduction to what we're going to be seeing here. So uh, Lviv, which actually at one point was part of Poland and part of the Austro-Hungarian Empire uh, is in the western part of the Ukraine. So a lot of the people who are fleeing from the east, uh, fleeing from the places where there is conflict, are living in Lviv. So you see here uh, are staying with the uh, with the Bazilian fathers at their monastery as they are caring for many of these refugees. But then we also uh, were praying with them during uh, their uh, great Easter vigil uh, and Easter services. Great. Well, let's take a look at that clip now to get an idea of what's going on in Ukraine, the tra Ukraine and the tragedy there, but also how we're all called to help and assist them in whatever way we can. celebrating Holy Week and uh, I thought to myself that uh, it is important at this moment in a war just to be with those who are in the midst of suffering. It matters that someone comes and cares about your suffering. My name is Pantelaimon Trofimov. I am superior of the monastery. We are church of our own right so we have different code of canon law, but we are united with Rome. We recognize Pope Francis as the head of Catholic Church. People arrived uh, the first day of the war from Kiev. We have approximately 170 refugees, so we have been settling them from the beginning of the war, from the first day of the war. We feel that it's our Christian duty to do that, that we can't stay aside. It's uh, the main uh, motivation. Uh, it's very difficult. He constantly lives for us, because in Ukraine there is no space for us. Every day 
Я молюся тільки про те, щоб не прилетіла сюди ракета і моя дитина жила, щоб вона не мала ніякої психологічної травми. Нас тут дуже добре прийняли. Дякую всім братям, дякую Ігуміну. Ми почуваємо, якби ми к родственникам приїхали. Але постійні мисли про те, що буде далі з нашими дітьми, яке чекає їх майбутнє, що буде далі з нашими будинками, з роботою. We are suffering right now and we are happy that like any questions they always help us in all situations. Like we are never alone here. The Pontifical Mission Societies are intended mm -hmm. to help the church to help the church grow. But now we are in the midst of war. We have to help with the immediate need. And so that is why I'm here. To help bring that immediate need for food, for medicine. Our brothers and sisters are suffering. So we give what we can. Thank you, Monsignor, for going over there and assisting those people. What can people do further to help alleviate the suffering of this terrible tragedy? I think the first thing that people need to do is to pray, pray for peace. Uh, there is a real evil that is taking place uh, in the Ukraine right now. Uh, and in fact, there are war crimes and uh, you can see the effects of the evil of war in the lives of the people of Ukraine. So I think the first thing, the most powerful thing we can do is mm -hmm. to pray, pray for the people of the Ukraine, uh, pray for the conversion of hearts and particularly the conversion of, uh, of Vladimir Putin's heart because he's the man who can really yeah. stop this conflict. Mm -hmm. uh, to, we have to really pray for those who, are, uh, those who are inflicting evil for the changes in their hearts as well. You know, we have to pray for our enemies. And yes. so we have to pray for those who are who are perpetrating these real evil crimes. And, and I don't just mean simply the violence of, uh, of the destruction of people's bodies, but the violation uh, of people's human dignity while they're alive. It's, it's yeah. really, there's a real terrible situation for the women uh, in, in, in the Ukraine right now. And then in addition to that, I think that we have to help uh, by our advocacy for public policies and by the use of our resources to care for people's material needs. Their homes have been destroyed mm -hmm. in many cases. In many of these places, people are suffering without any food. Uh, they don't have medicine. Uh, that monastery that you see in that image, that's a seminary monastery. So those are young monks who are taking in all these families that have been displaced from the west, mm -hmm. from the eastern part of Ukraine. And what's important about that is, is you know, the communist had controlled uh, the eastern part of Ukraine for about 70 years. So many of the people who are staying in this monastery don't even know who God is. They may be nominally Orthodox uh, mm -hmm. Christians, but they don't really have the faith. And they're seeing that faith uh, be man manifest in a very concrete way in the way that these uh, monks are caring for them. Yes, and so what is the website that they could go to? We saw it at the end, but maybe you could mention it again. Sure, it's uh, missio.org uh, backslash uh, Ukraine. But of course, there's not just a, but there's a, a Catholic Near East Welfare Association, uh, CRS. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of Catholic entities that are out yes. there. Your own diocese are, are taken. But it doesn't matter where you contribute. You should be contributing something to be helping uh, people uh, to uh, alleviate the suffering of so many of mm -hmm. these Christians. You know, the Ukraine's about 40 million people. And yes. uh, of that uh, population, there's a Latin Catholic Church, and then there's a Greek Catholic Church. Uh, and then there's also the uh, Moscow Patriarchate, uh, the mm -hmm. Moscow, the Russian page, uh, Orthodox Church, and then the Ukrainian Orthodox Church. So there are a lot of churches in this region, very diverse region, one thing that has happened is this war has brought people together in a way that is is really remarkable. Yes. You know, in the face mm -hmm. of evil, right. uh, people come together. And, and I can tell you that they are standing beside Christ on the cross right now. Mm. And we can't yes. abandon them. We can't be locked away in the upper room. One of the blessings, Monsignor, of this network we reach all over the world is that we can be united together in prayer. And we've led rosaries. We've actually had the Stations of the Cross globally uh, for Ukraine and for the uh, end of this uh, conflict. Could you lead us in a prayer now with our global audience and uh, the end of this uh, suffering there? Sure, I'd be very happy to. And of course, uh, 
Pauline Jericho, she uh, was the promoter of the Living Rosary. Uh, mm. And so maybe it means most. It seems most appropriate that maybe uh, we can pray a short uh, little prayer of, uh, of the rosary together. So in the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. Our Father, who art in Lord heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us, Give this, us day, this day our daily, daily bread, bread, and forgive and us our trespasses. Our trespasses. As we, As we forgive, forgive those who trespass against us, us. And, and lead us not, us not into temptation, temptation but deliver us from evil. From evil. So for an increase in the gift of faith, hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Holy Mary Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen for an increase in the gift of hope. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. And for an increase in the Christian gift of love. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. St. Michael, the Archangel, patron of Ukraine, pray, pray for, for us. us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Well, let's talk about uh, Venerable Pauline Jericho, who will be beatified next month. Tell us about the situation in France at the time of her birth. So, you know, uh, Pauline was born in 1799. Uh, just 10 years before she was born, uh, France had been ravaged uh, by the uh, French Revolution. Uh, and so it's into this context that this uh, young woman uh, <clears throat> is born, in which uh, her parents raise her. Her parents actually were a fairly wealthy family. And so they were bourgeois, uh, a bourgeois family, that uh, bourgeoisie at the time. So they had a small factory in Lyon uh, that made silk uh, products. And uh, it is this small middle-class family, but also a very devout family. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's the family that she's born in. In fact, the, the situation for her baptism, which is fascinating, is, uh, you know, the clergy, about half of the priests of... Uh, of France at that time were becoming what became constitutional priests. And so mm. uh, they had to find a priest uh, who had not kind of rejected, uh, rejected the church uh, in, order to, in order to baptize her, uh, and so rejected the authority of the pope. It was uh, kind of the very beginning. It speaks to the real dedication uh, mm -hmm. of her, her mom and dad. It's really kind of, when you think about it, by the time she's uh, making her first Holy Communion, she's about 13 years old. Uh, she has an intense religious faith. Uh, and, uh, and this reception of Holy Communion is a moment of great joy for her, uh, an incredible moment of joy, and begins a real change in, in, in her life. But uh, like so many other saints, you know, uh, and if you think about this, the place of suffering uh, in the life of a Christian, like right. so many other saints, She's only a young girl. She's only like 14 years old, and mm -hmm. she she has a fall. She ends up with a sort of a bacterial infection, which gives her a sort of a rheumatism, uh, which is very paralyzing to her. Uh, and so for two years, uh, she's in hmm. incredible agony. And this this begins the change that the the faith, the religious faith, that Pauline was introduced to by her mother and father. Uh, now begins to take root in her own heart. Hmm. Uh, and as just as she's coming out of this uh, situation of uh, this terrible suffering in her life, she finds out that her brother, her oldest brother, dies, uh, and then her mother dies very shortly thereafter. Uh, and it's uh, this experience, I think, of suffering that really forges who Pauline is, because throughout the rest of her life, 
despite the many accomplishments, you know, it's Pauline, she, uh, she starts a number of organs. By the time she's 30, she has accomplished so much. Uh, mm -hmm. Most of us would be embarrassed <laughs> at what she has accomplished. But she also endures an enormous amount of suffering uh, mm. throughout her life. And the rejection of even uh, those people who's uh, the organization, the Living Rosary, the propagation of the faith, she's defrauded. Right. Uh, she dies penniless after mm -hmm. all of that. She's, she's accused of malfeasance in terms of how she uses the resources mm. of the propagation of the faith. There's all this suffering that's going on in her life. And in addition to that, she deals with uh, the physical suffering related to a heart attack and the rheumatism again. So I think mm. uh, Pauline is a woman that we can all really identify with. Uh, in, in so many different ways. I couldn't help but think of St. Catherine Drexel, too, who used her fortune, right, to help the unfortunates yes. in the United States. And that's what Pauline did as well. The money that she had, she put that toward others. It wasn't just for her own selfish use. And isn't that, uh, isn't that so different than uh, what happens for many people today, where we, we, yes. we're very, uh, we're, we kind of want to grow our, our wealth and pass it on to the next generation. Mm -hmm. and, and it's clear that Pauline, and with the support of her family, by the way, uh, she had seven brothers and sisters. Right. Uh, but uh, the whole family put their uh, resources at the disposal of the church, and, and particularly uh, for the uh, propagation of the faith in the United States, in the Americas, but also in, uh, in Asia. In fact, one of her brothers, her her uh, brother, who's just two years older than her, he goes to the seminary uh, with the hope of being a missionary uh, mm -hmm. to Asia. But because of the uh, inf uh, infirmity, his own infirmity, he's unable to do that. However, he really did support his sister in the work of gathering resources to give to the church uh, where the word of the gospel was first going to be preached. Now, tonight we're going to be premiering this wonderful docudrama. I've watched it twice now. It's just beautifully put together. Tell us a story about putting that behind, or what's behind that. Certainly, it's to help make her message known and her story known, which is so inspiring. Well, you know, uh, Pauline dies in 1862. And at her funeral, very few people were there. And I think this is something we can all identify with, right? The, the sense of like dying alone. Right. Um, but, you know, if you take a look at uh, she wasn't alone. The Holy Spirit was clearly at work in the life of Pauline. And clearly, uh, not only was it at work at the life of Pauline, but also in the work that Pauline had begun uh, to put in motion. Uh, and it is uh, this work, which was so blessed, the Living Rosary Association, uh, the work of the Society for the Propagation of the Faith, that uh, begins to really uh, take root over the next 200 years mm -hmm. uh, of her life. And so, uh, of course, we want to hold up models of sanctity in the life of the church today, right? This is something that Pope John Paul did for the church right. uh, so well, is, is, you know, so many people who are ordinary people are be uh, were named saints to, mm -hmm. to remind us that what's really at the heart of the Second Vatican Council is the universal call to holiness. Exactly. Every single person is called to be holy in whatever station you are in life. And Pauline assisted the women who were working with her uh, in the factories to be holy by praying the rosary and by offering their resources uh, to, the, uh, to the, uh, the church that was growing. But mm -hmm. each of us are called to be holy in the place. The person who's watching this program right now whatever they may be doing. Maybe they're cooking, maybe they're mm -hmm. cleaning up the house, maybe they're getting ready for the next day for tomorrow's work. They're called to be holy in the place where they are. And whatever it is, as a mom, as a dad, as a grandma, as somebody who's single, right. uh, whatever the circumstances are, you are called to be holy. And the way you become holy is by, by being prayerful and by being charitable. In other words, giving of yourself, giving yourself away. That's what Pauline did. She just gave herself completely away for others. Well, we're going to watch a little clip now from the, pre the film that's going to be premiering tonight. So let's look at that, her idea to start and grow the society, this little clip from uh, the film showing tonight. She had a very simple idea that had universal scope. It's a very, very simple idea. She, said, she thought, let us, let us have 10 people 
that pray, reflect about the missions and offer one penny, not much, one penny um, each, and, and have them each try to find 10 other people to find another circle to do the same. And in effect, what she did was she created a worldwide network. 10 people praying together, and then 10 people, each one dropping a penny in the collection basket. Gradually, the number of 10 became the number of hundreds, the number of hundreds became numbers of thousands. And she did not only collect money, but trained other women to do smaller things, smaller projects that would raise money for the missions. The catalyst for the founding of the Society of the Propagation of the Faith was a meeting that occurred in May 1822 in the apartment of the Vicar General of the Bishop of Louisiana. As the Society's membership grew, uh, it came to the attention of the local bishop that this was something that's going to catch on. The higher-ups, they realized this had national and perhaps even international significance. And so it required uh, a certain amount of authority that only the Pope could give. Pope Gregory was really enthusiastic about the whole project, um, decided uh, this is well worth pursuing. It was not a difficult choice to approve this society. You know, Mother Angelica said that when something's from God, it starts small but then you just see it grow and grow because God's blessing it, the Holy Spirit's inspiring others. And we see that with EWTN and its growth, starting from a little four-hour operation to what it is now. And certainly we see that also in the life of Pauline Jericho. Yes, you know, you could say that Pauline Jericho was the original multi-level marketer because <laughs> she really understood that uh, you start with a very small group of people praying and giving a penny. Mm -hmm. And as uh, you hear 10 people become 100 people, 100 people become 1,000 people, and that really is what changes the world. It's not simply, uh, you don't have to have a grandiosity. Mm -hmm. uh, you start very simply because it's 10 people is a, is a very manageable group that can actually, they change each other. The, the 10 people come together and they change each other and their faith is intensified. Uh, and it's, mm -hmm. it's actually that which is the fire, uh, which really transforms the world, I think. That you have both this global vision, but it never loses its connection with the ordinary people in the small little groups, right? Yeah, that's, it's really important. And it's, it's one of the things that, uh, you know, when you're at your parish church uh, and a missionary comes uh, uh, one Sunday and preaches, he's generally raising money for his mission project in his diocese, his religious community, whatever it may be. Uh, at, the, at the heart of the propagation of the faith, however, is that it's not one project that's mm. being funded. It's mm -hmm. the, the entire work of the church which is being funded. Right. Uh, and so it, it's not like Kieran Harrington is going to build a church in Tanzania. Uh, Kieran Harrington is going to give money that's going to help build a church, not just in Tanzania, but throughout the whole world. Mm. Well, we're going to take a break right now. This story is fascinating, and we'll want our viewers to join us back again when we come back from the break. So we'll see you when we come back. Welcome back to EWTN Live. I'm Father Joseph filling in for Father Mitch this week and talking with Monsignor Kieran Harrington, who is a national director of the Pontifical Mission Societies in the United States of America. We're speaking to him via Skype. He's in Poland. And we've been talking about the uh, wonderful docudrama that's going to be premiering tonight on EWTN, Heart of a Missionary, the story of Pauline Jericho. Now, uh, Monsignor, 
Talk about how she was so effective in mobilizing the laity. You know, we think about the clergy, we think about the hierarchy of the church, but really the laity are the largest body, the group within the church. And there was a way in which she mobilized the laity to be involved in the church's missionary activity. Yeah, you know, Father, I think it's important for us to understand uh, the world into which uh, Pauline was born. You know, uh, France, immediately after the French Revolution, uh, was a society that was as divided as our society was. And in fact, uh, we can sometimes think about division in the church. Their church was very, very divided. As I said, mm. you know, half the clergy uh, basically defected and took a promise uh, that said that the uh, the Pope was not really the head of the church. <laughs> mm. So this is a major problem in the life of, uh, uh, in the spiritual life of uh, the people in France. And, you know, they were living in a time of intense secularism. Uh, and, and you have to understand that after the French Revolution, you then have a restoration of the church and a rejection of that restoration. Mm. So when I say that this is a moment uh, of deep divisions in society, this is the world in which Pauline is living and coming of age. Hmm. Uh, and, and I think at the heart of what she had, at the heart of what she always seeks to do, you know, with the very first initiative is, uh, is because of her devotion to the sacred heart, reparation. Mm -hmm. And you think about how our world is really in need of reparation today, yes. isn't it? Yes, definitely. So she, she brings people together uh, for the work uh, of praying for reparation. And, uh, and I think that uh, we can all take a look at the world and say, we need to kind of come together again uh, to pray for reparation. Reparation for the war mm -hmm. that's taking place in Ukraine, yes. uh, reparation for the destruction of human life that takes place in our own country, yeah. uh, reparation for the many abuses uh, to human dignity uh, that take place uh, uh, here in our own country, uh, but also abroad. So this need for reparation. Uh, mm -hmm. I think also a reparation for our, our failure to do our religious duty to God. Yes. <laughs> you know, we fail to think it's not simply about what we do to other people, but that we have an obligation to God <laughs> mm -hmm. and to give him glory, honor, power of our life. And, yes. and when that doesn't happen, we have a responsibility to to make acts of reparation for those who fail mm. uh, to live that way. Uh, so we, we, there are brothers and sisters. We have a responsibility for that. And Pauline understands that. And it's, it's through this uh, association she begins. Then she actually gets to be, she's about 29 years old. Uh, and you could think about a, a woman who, by the time she's about 29 years old, there's question of back and forth about, am I going to be, get married, not get married? Uh, she really makes a decision at that by that point that uh, mm -hmm. she's going to live a chaste life. Hmm. And, uh, and, but she brings together a group of other women who are lay women, not nuns, not nuns, but lay women. Uh, and it is in this uh, situation now uh, that they are going to consecrate themselves uh, to lives of prayer. She opens a house. It's called Loretto. Uh, mm -hmm. She lives in this home with these women, uh, and they begin... Uh, to pray together, again, as in another disruption takes place uh, in French society, particularly the society in which she lived, where there is a textile disruption because of the economic uh, challenges that people are paying, uh, uh, dealing with. Again, we can think about those economic challenges uh, that maybe we, we experience mm -hmm. in our own society and the kind of pressure that that uh, places upon you. And, and it's important to think that by, you know, 1835, she goes on a pilgrimage to Rome and, uh, and to show you and something that, you know, uh, those of us who know a little, uh, been to Rome a few times, the thing you know about Rome is, is Rome may seem very removed and very uh, far away from people. But the truth is, is that uh, Rome is, uh, Rome is like a small little burg, isn't it? Yes. Uh, and, uh, and why I say that is because, you know, Pauline goes there on this pilgrimage and who comes to visit her but the Pope? <laughs> right. I mean, now, now you think about <laughs> this, that the Pope comes to, because the Cardinal Leone says, I have this incredible woman, she's on pilgrimage in Rome, and the Pope actually comes to her house uh, and visits with her, and at that time, he thinks she's going to die. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, he's really convinced that she's going to die. Uh, Pauline leaves, uh, you know, leaves uh, and goes to pray uh, at the place of, of another great saint, Philomena, who is a Greek princess. Uh, and it's on the feast day of uh, St. Philomena uh, at a Eucharistic adoration. Important. Notice the Eucharist starts to play a real role yes. here. Mm-hmm. At Eucharistic adoration, you know, after the Mass, when everybody else is leaving, she stays. <laughs> she stays mm-hmm. in church and she's praying. And it's at this uh, at this Eucharistic adoration, at the moment that the priest holds up the monstrance, that she is actually cured. Wow. And, uh, and she comes back. The Pope is so surprised by this. <laughs> That this is not this is a, this is really quite remarkable. The Pope is so surprised by it. What does he do? Uh, he puts the feast of Saint Philomena on the calendar, on the liturgical mm. calendar, as a day to be celebrated. I mention that story because, uh, again, what it's a story about lay people. Yes. This is not. It's it's the the close contact uh, with the the universal shepherd mm-hmm. uh, and an ordinary woman, uh, an ordinary woman. Uh, is uh, I think uh, uh, it's it's inspiring for you and for me to realize what what we are really called to it is uh, with if we put ourselves at the disposal of God, great things are going to happen. Uh, he is going to do great things with us. Like you've been talking about the universal call to holiness, but also to be missionaries in our own way. So we're going to watch a little clip, also from this docudrama that's premiering tonight, Heart of a Missionary. And it's about this universal call to the church's missionary activities. So let's look at that now. Every baptized person is called to be a missionary. So we have a call from the Lord himself to proclaim the gospel wherever we are. Our world today needs witnesses, giving a witness to Jesus Christ, his compassion and hope. That was the original intention of uh, Pauline Jarico. Pauline Jarico is still inspiring our, our work because uh, she gave, in a very simple way, the charisma of the Pontifical Mission Societies. Marie Pauline Jarico, she is an icon of faith to every woman, to every lady person. Wherever we are, our state of life, is the beginning of what we can do and what we can be. Pauline Jericho's vision that started in a small town in France has now become one of the largest missionary outreach organizations to touch all the corners of the earth. What an amazing witness to the power of one person to transform the whole world. We've been hearing in the Gospels uh, during this Easter season how the Lord commissioned us to go out and bring the good news to all the nations. Now, one of the things that was important to Pauline was to bring it to this, uh, to the United States of America, which was, as you were saying earlier, a missionary uh, territory, especially in Louisiana, that they very much supported the work that was going on there. You're right, and uh, if you consider uh, Louisiana, this connection to France, uh, and uh, the great investment uh, that was made from the church in France uh, to uh, New Orleans uh, is really uh, is really quite remarkable. And how that was not simply to New Orleans, but uh, also in New York and as I said to you, when you think about every single diocese in the United States, uh, up until 1908, this was a mission country. Uh, so, so many of our dioceses in the United States benefited because of the work of the propagation, the propagation of the faith. And that really the United States then becomes this mission, it sends out missionaries too, right, throughout the world. So it was really, a seed was planted with the help of the Pontifical Mission Society and how that benefited the whole world, really, through the missionaries that would go out throughout the world. Right, because every Catholic has the responsibility of uh, being an instrument so that other people can have an encounter with Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. This is really what the 
you know, this is what the Great Commission is. Go out and baptize all nations. Uh, how does this go about? It's uh, to have an encounter with Jesus Christ. And the truth of the matter is, Father, as you and I know very well, uh, most people come to know Christ not because of something that you or I may say at Mass in a homily. Mm -hmm. They come to know Christ because of the example of the Christians besides whom they work and live every single day. To the, uh, to the extent that our life is a witness to uh, the saving work of Jesus Christ, the reconciling work of Jesus Christ, the healing work of Jesus Christ, to the extent that our life is a witness to that, people come to know Christ. Uh, to the extent that our life is, uh, is antithetical to that, uh, to the extent that our life gives scandal, uh, people don't know Christ. And so well, each of us are called to be uh, apostles. Uh, and the way in which we are apostles is, is in the ordinary circumstances that we find ourselves. How can people become part of the Pontifical Mission Societies? So it's important uh, that the Pontifical Mission Societies Every single diocese has a diocesan director of the Pontifical Mission Society uh, because it is the bishop's responsibility uh, to really promote the missions uh, in his own diocese. So uh, the best way to get involved in the Pontifical Mission Societies is to contact your diocesan director in your own diocese, wherever you live, mm -hmm. and say, I'd like to become involved in the work of the Pontifical Mission Societies. The other thing that you can do is very simply is to start to pray the living rosary. You know, Bishop Fulton Sheen uh, was the director of the Propagation of the Faith all throughout that, the years that mm -hmm. he was uh, on TV. And he promoted uh, the missionary rosary. You remember the missionary rosary? Sure. Uh, right. Which has all the various colors, white mm -hmm. for the countries of Europe, red, which was for the United States because so many were martyred here in the mm -hmm. United States, yellow for Asia, green for Africa, uh, blue for Oceania. So when you think about, when you're praying the rosary, you're a missionary because you're praying for all the parts of the world that have to yes. hear the gospel. And, and I have to tell you, Father, you know, when you think for a moment, our country is really uh, becoming mission territory once again, isn't it? Because while we nominally have institutions and institutional structures that seem to testify uh, to the presence of the church, the fact of the matter is, is uh, the faith, uh, the embers are of the faith may be still burning, but there is a lot of ash. Right. Mm -hmm. and, well, uh, and so we have to pray for it. We have to pray for our, our own uh, missionary activity in our own country as well. Well, let's talk about the beatification of Pauline. Where is that going to take place? And how do you think that's going to be something that's uh, going to benefit the church? Well, uh, you know, the, the first is uh, that there, the miracle attributed to Pauline actually takes place uh, in Lyon just a few years ago. Uh, so it was a little girl. She was only three years old. And uh, she is choking on some food. And as a result of the choking on food, uh, she ends up in the hospital for a very long time. She was going to die. Uh, and uh, the family begins, because of the behest of the Archbishop of Lyon, uh, they take up uh, a, a, a novena to Pauline Jericho. And it's through that miracle that we have this beatification, which will take place in Lyon, her native city. And why is that such an important place? Because where the gospel was first received in France, hmm. Irenaeus of yes. Lyon. Yes. So if you think about the, this is the opportunity for actually a conversion once again of that first order of the church, which is uh, the country of France. Great. Well, any closing thoughts of how Pauline is a model for lay people today and really for the whole church? You know, uh, today we hear a lot of talk about how women need a, a bigger role uh, in mm -hmm. the life of the church and in our society. <laughs> yes. And uh, it really seems incredible when you think about uh, that uh, we kind of talk a lot of this uh, because we do a lot of talking. <laughs> Pauline didn't do a lot of talking. Uh, she mm -hmm. did a lot of doing. Yes. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> she played an enormous role in the life of the church. I mean, when you think about the Society of the Propagation of the Faith and the Holy Childhood, the Missionary Union, the Society of St. Mm -hmm. Peter, uh, Pauline was <clears throat> concretely uh, making a difference in the life of the church and the life of every single Catholic uh, uh, from her time until our time today. 
And that was really true of Mother when she started this network. Uh, Cardinal Odie said, while well, others have been talking, Mother has been transmitting. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so these women were people of action who just uh, lived the gospel as best as they could in their circumstances. They weren't politically motivated at all. <laughs> They, you know, they weren't looking for position, mm. and that's part of the challenge. You know, sometimes in society we look for a position, right. uh, and position doesn't do much. <laughs> uh, it's it's not about position that the position I hold. It's a, it's about the the work that I commit myself to, and it's not my work. It's the work of Christ in yes. me, and it's mm -hmm. clearly that it's clear that you know Mother Angelica clearly, uh, God was using her in the building up of EWTN and the, and the ministry uh, of this station to not just mm -hmm. the church in the United States, but throughout the whole world. Yes. Uh, and you can see that the, the church was, was built up through uh, the faith of a woman, Pauline Jericho, who dies penniless. Yes. She dies penniless. She had to go on welfare, the equivalent mm. of welfare in France, to eat wow. this wealthy woman who had so much. She dies having given everything. And everything. to the world, to the world, she was a failure. Yeah. And, and yet now you see she's raised to the altar. <laughs> well, Monsignor Harrington, this has been a wonderful uh, discussion on uh, Venerable Pauline Jericho, soon to be beatified. Thank you for the work that you're doing as a national director for the Pontifical Mission Society and your work you. there in Ukraine. May God bless you and thanks for being part of the show today. God bless you, Father. Thank you. And you can go to onefamilyandmission.org to learn more about the Pontifical Mission Societies, onefamilymission.org. And don't miss the premiere of Heart of a Missionary, the story of Pauline Jericho, which will air tonight on EWTN at 10 p.m. Eastern Time. The film begins with these words, Every baptized person is called to be a missionary. The story of Venerable Pauline Jericho will inspire you to have the heart of a missionary too. Keep us between your gas and electric bills so that we can continue to bring these wonderful programs. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.